everybody. It's uh, the Bob McCowan Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. I'm McCowan. That is John Shannon. And uh, a little hockey talk for you today, huh? As we yeah, get well, that's right. You know, so training camps open uh, this week. Rookie camps, rookie tournaments are over. Uh, people are starting to think about the hockey season that starts in about three weeks, Bob. I think the 12th or 13th of October. So little hockey talk to keep everybody happy. Well, folks in Toronto and in Ottawa will be uh, especially interested, I think, in our guest today. It's Connor Brown, a former Leaf and a former senator who was traded by Ottawa to Washington uh, this offseason. And, um, and, well, and actually that, had, had to be had to be traded because they needed the cap space. Exactly. And I was yeah. just about to say that. And uh, that was that was the reason for the move. Connor Brown is a free agent, I think, at the end of this year, is he not? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. And um, we and, shall and see what could what help happens. and could help many teams could have helped many teams in this league. And uh, needless to say, some of us lobbied for him to be uh, taken by a few of our friends teams. So, mm-hmm. well, it, nobody listened. Well, we will see um, what happens in Washington. But first, we'll talk to Connor himself, Connor Brown, when we come back after these messages. We are back, McCallum Shannon, uh, with you. An interesting time for our guest today. It's um, a new season is about to unfold, and uh, another new team is uh, third in the National Hockey League. Connor Brown is uh, with us. You just got off the ice, huh? Yeah, I just was skating there with the, with the team, and camp officially opens up tomorrow, so ready to get it going. Um, what's it like going to a new club? It's not an experience that you're unfamiliar with. You did it with uh, going from Toronto to Ottawa and now from uh, Ottawa to Washington. Is it, um, is it difficult to get to know everybody and figure out what's going on? A little bit. I mean, uh, me and my wife came down a little bit early. Um, than we typically would. And uh, just to kind of, you know, get our bearings amongst the city and uh, get to know the guys and, and uh, the staff a little bit better. And, but, you know, I'd say this is very different situation coming in here than when I was coming into Ottawa with the, you know, a much older team. You know, I feel like one of the younger guys in the team here, we have uh, where when I went into Ottawa, I was, you know, quite the opposite, uh, such a young group. So, um, but it's been great. I mean, the guys have been so, so good. The staff's been amazing. Um, you know, we, we've been loving the city really, uh, living here thus far. And so it's been, um, you know, it's been great so far. So, so how, these, these are voluntary skates and I'm not sure every player shows up, but I'm, you know, I guess closer to camp guys are trying to skate. How, how do you go through that process of introducing yourself? Do you do it in the room? Do you do it on the ice? How, what do you do? Well, they put together skates for us, like pretty much like, uh, you know, they're, they are voluntary, but just about everybody's out there right now. I think maybe today everyone was. And so, um, you know, we're all going on the ice together. We're working out together. And so you just kind of, you know, we're getting changed together. So you just kind of, you know, get to know guys and guys have been, you know, kind enough to introduce themselves to me and um, vice versa. So, uh, you know, and uh, TJ Oshie had us out at his golf course the other day. And uh, so, you know, we got to play a bit of golf with some of the guys and then, um Carlson had us out at his place yesterday. So um, little things like that for me, being a new guy, I appreciate it. And it, it helps me a lot. You know, just to kind of get to know the guys. Did you know any players on this team? Um, well, Dylan Strom, who just signed sure. here, uh, I played with him in Erie. He was a rookie when I was in Erie. And Tommy Wilson, I played against my whole life. So he's from Toronto area. So um, I know him through just, you know, playing against each other for years and uh, growing up and stuff. And uh, Darcy Kemper, we played in the world championships together. How different is it from one team to another at this time of year? I mean, I'm sure coaches have different things that they want to do and emphasize, and you're just getting started in Washington, but you went through it in Ottawa a bit. Is it dramatically different at this time of year? I think so. I I mean, um, you know, typically, you know, you know, coaches aren't really around uh, just yet, just because, you know, the camp opens up tomorrow. So, but, um, you know, I think it, you know, for being in, in uh, Toronto and in Ottawa, uh, the way the camp was laid out was very similar just because, you know, uh, DJ learned a lot from under Babcock. And so just the kind of uh, 
the way things were run and, and the layout of camp. And I think things will be a little bit different here. So it'll be an adjustment for me, but um, nothing too far off from team to team. You know, you just kind of, you, you come in here, you get the systems down early, um, get that stuff out of the way. And then you just kind of, um, you know, try to build some chemistry. What has your off season been like? I'm sure most off seasons are about the same as you try and get ready for camp, but what kinds of things have you been doing this off season? Um, well, I'm trained a lot. Um, you know, I had some injury trouble down the stretch last year. And so, um, uh, you know, it just gave me a, a long summer to, to train and to make sure I'm healthy and um, feeling good. And so I, I trained a lot and I, I skated with Barb Underhill, which I normally do. And you know, other than that, I played a lot of golf, um, had a bunch of weddings to go to. You know, but I'm at that age where all my friends are getting married and uh, and, you know, other than that, just kind of, uh, you know, just going, going about my business and enjoying time with friends and family. So how much you, ice time do you, do you, ha- do you have during the off season generally? Um, you know, where I train, we, we get, we get ice four times a week or something like that. And I, I, oh, okay. I usually would go on three, three times a week or something like that. Uh, two with skill skate. And then I'm usually on with Barb Underhill once a week. Uh, what would, what would Barb be pushing you on? Me and Barbara working on a bunch of different stuff this year. I've been working with her for a long time since my time in Toronto and uh, we've developed a pretty good relationship. She's, she's been one of the, you know, uh, one of the main people in my career that's helped me a lot and, and kind of turned my skating into an asset for me. And, um, you know, she, she, uh, this year I hadn't been with her for a couple of years, but she had a few new tricks to show me. So it was, um, you know, I always enjoy going out there. So, so is this a classic case of knowing that this game is getting faster and you're getting older and you better stay fast? Exactly. Yeah. And, and obviously just any tor- type of advantage you can develop out there and, and skating's always been one of my advantages as a player. And so it's, uh, important for me to, you know, just lean into that and, um, you know, creating separation. Cause I'm ob- obviously, uh, I've always not been the biggest guy. So to kind of create time and space on the ice for me, it's, uh, you know, a lot of it is, uh, you know, the way I skate and, and things like that. You know, the, uh, uh, you talked about having the opportunity, you and your wife, Madison, to go down early and, uh, get to know a little lay of the land, go to Georgetown. I'm sure a few times, Georgetown's yeah. a great place to go. Um, but you know, you wouldn't get recognized as Connor Brown in, in Washington or in DC just yet, but you would in Ottawa and you would in Toronto. Is, does that change anything for you? Uh, not really. Um, not, not typically, uh, it's obviously, it's a little different and, uh, you know, being new here and no, I haven't really been recognized at all, but, um, no, but other no, that's not really, uh, not really a factor. I haven't really thought much about it, but. Um, I, I, I do obviously being in Toronto and, uh, in an Ottawa, you know, you enjoy seeing fans out and about, but, um, not yet. I was just, uh, watching a, a press conference that Brady Kachuk was having. It's their, it's their, uh, golf tournament today, uh, in Ottawa. Um, you're leaving at a time when, you know, a lot of the effort that guys like DJ Bry in for the senators are going to the next level. What, what, what does that make you feel like? Um, you know, for those guys, I feel good for them. I I've developed, you know, really good relationships with a lot of those guys and a lot of those kids, um, really, you know, tried everything I could to do to be a, you know, a positive impact, um, on the ice in the locker room and with that team. And so for them, um, you know, I wish them nothing but the best for those players. You, you, what do you see out of Brady? Brady's he's a good leader. I mean, he competes every day. He works hard in practice. He, he's, um, you know, he, he's become a good friend of mine and, uh, you know, I enjoyed my time with him and, um, you know, he, he's, uh, he's a character. How do you view this, uh, your new team? As you said, they're uh, much more of a veteran team, a team that has been there before, a team that is quite frankly trying to stay uh, at or near the top in the National Hockey League this is a different kind of experience for you. What are you looking forward to? I, uh, just that, that veteran presence around the room and, uh, you know, that expectation that, that it comes with, um, you know, being this type of team and, and the way they've, uh, the way they've done it. And, you know, I feel like, um, I'm already, I'm, you know, I'm not, uh, trying to make a team good. I'm coming in, I'm going to add to a good team. And so that's, uh, um, you know, it's, uh, 
it's cool. It's interesting. And, you know, they, they've been, they've been atop the league for a very long time. And, uh, you know, we think we're going to have a good team this year again. And so um, it's, it's fun to be a part of. At what point do you call yourself a, and, and again, you went, as Bob mentioned before, you, you've been through this before. You were a Maple Leaf. You were a senator. When do you start talking like a capital? <laughs> I think it's begun. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, being here for a few weeks now, it's starting to settle in and starting to feel real. Um, you know, in the summer, you know, you're skating at home and it didn't, you know, it doesn't quite feel settled in. Uh, I'm starting to feel that way. starting to feel like a capital, uh, having some conversations with the guys and with the coaching staff and stuff. So starting to feel a part of it. Uh, I guess you don't really know yet what specific role you will have with this team or what the coaching staff wants, or do you, I mean, I assume you've talked to everybody, haven't you? Yeah, no, I've, I've talked to the coaches and, uh, you know, kind of what they expect out of me. And, um, you know, it's kind of what the, the, you know, similar to what I was in, in Ottawa is, uh, you know, the same type of winger, same type of player. Um, I'm sure that I'll have different line mates throughout the year and uh, I'll play up the line up and, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure I'll be on, on all those top three lines and um, at one point or another. And so it's just, for me, it's just important to do what I do best, no matter where, where I'm playing and no matter what type of role I'm in. Would you like to be a scorer again, like you were in junior? I mean, that's not been your role in the National Hockey League yet. Um, and I don't know whether you, I, mean, I assume you feel like you probably could if you if if that was your if that was the direction that they wanted you to go. But um, how do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I would like to be a scorer. Obviously, I think that I have more to give offensively. Um, you know, coming into the league in Toronto, I uh, you know I played down the lineup on a really really good offensive team, um, you know, with, with lots of really, you know, talented guys and, um, kind of needed to create a carve out a role for myself to, uh, you know, make sure I'm in the lineup every single night. And it kind of, you know, it's, um, you know, and I've gotten really good at that role, you know, being a defensive forward, a penalty killer and, uh, right. You know, but I do believe that at this point in my career, you know, two years ago, I thought I really start, you know, started to take a step forward offensively last year with some injury trouble, um, you know, I didn't feel as if I, I played uh, my expectations, but I do, I do feel like I, I can be a scorer in this league and um, take a step forward. So, uh, you know, it's just uh, about doing it. It's about executing. You talked about injuries last year. How many, how many games do you think you played healthy? Um, you know, the, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, uh, I'd probably, I think I played 60 something games. I think maybe, um, 30 or something, 30 were healthy or, you know, I wow. you know, broke my jaw and, uh, broke my jaw in January and lost like, you know, seven or eight pounds. Cause you're kind of not eating very much. And, uh, you know, come back from that. You don't feel, you know, you don't feel, you know, have the same type of energy because, you know, for three weeks while I was playing, I, I, you know, I couldn't, uh, you know, still wasn't eating solid food and stuff. So it's hard to replenish that. And, um, and then, you know, I had a, you know, some injuries down the stretch where, uh, yeah, I definitely wasn't, wasn't planned to, yeah, just some, you know, and I've been lucky throughout my career with injuries. So, you know, definitely not complaining. It's part of the game. And, um, you know, that's why I really try to take this summer serious and make sure I was as healthy as possible. Memory serves me. You broke your jaw in Calgary. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you actually finished the game. Yeah. Yeah. I broke so how, how does that work? Well, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, I got a, um, puck off the crossbar and warm up, hit me right in the jaw. And, uh, I went and I checked it out and, uh, before the game, uh, and I was, uh, <laughs> I, I think they, uh, we thought that it was fine. I mean, I, we didn't think that, uh, it was broken. I, it was kind of pouring up blood or whatever. And then, um, throughout the game, it like, you know, usually when you get one in the face, it, it starts to get better. Like the numbness goes away, but it was kind of getting worse and worse throughout the game. So, uh, I kind of, you know, somewhere around the, third period i kind of figured that something was wrong uh and then next day we we did an x-ray and it was i had a little crack in the jaw that's a classic hockey story yeah (laughs) yeah uh i assume first time you broke in your jaw playing hockey correct yeah Yeah, that was first time yeah what was that what was the what was the process like the 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 broken jaw we all have those of us who had it you know yeah, that's uh, you just you wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy. Like uh, anybody that I've talked to about a broken jaw, says the same thing. It's just you know you, you're 
you, you can't eat solid foods for six weeks. And, um, you know, the first, first, you know, two, three weeks are really bad where, you know, you, you're kind of, um, you know, you can't really laugh or talk or anything, anything with you with your mouth. It's just, it's just terrible. I mean, it's as bad as you'd imagine, but, um, you know, it, but, you know, coming in season to, you know, lose that weight and to kind of play through is, is tough. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's not fun, not a fun experience. So you, you, you talked about two coaches, you've had DJ and, and, and Babcock. What, what, what'd you learn from Mike? Mike was detailed, like super, super detailed and demanding, um, uh, you know, there was no gray area in the, um, you know, the way that he wanted, wanted you to play. And, uh, you know, he, he was specific about how he wanted me to play on that team. And, uh, um, you know, so there's a, there's a lot to learn. I mean, uh, and then with DJ, we had a good relationship from our time in Toronto right. and, uh, you know, we saw like, you know, I, you know, I viewed him as, you know, he obviously a coach, but someone you could generally talk to and, uh, you know, communicate with. And, um, you know, he helped me a lot throughout my, my three years there and kind of, uh, you know, gave me an expanded role and, and kind of helped me find some, uh, you know, some, some offense and a bit more of an expanded role. You know, the, 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 the comments on, on Babcock are ones that I, I, I would have thought that in your time in Toronto, you and Zach would be perfect Babcock guys. You know, you, you, you understand the game. I mean, I can see you being a coach one day, uh, but that's just the style of game you played and his attention to detail would really work in your favor. But that, that wasn't necessarily always the case, was it? Yeah. You're looking back. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. perspective is, uh, you know, it, it, it helps obviously, but you know, when I look back at my time, I, I might've, uh, you know, been a, you know, so concerned with the details that, you know, you overthink the game and um, you're not just kind of relying on instincts out there. And, um, and then your offense kind of, you know, that's where, you know, offense is all just instincts and um, trust in yourself. And so when you kind of were, are just concerned about where you got to be all the time and being super detail oriented, um, that's something I found, you know, in my early years in the NHL kind of hindered my offense. You know, you get to be a little bit older and a little bit more mature that, you know, you have the ability, you do have the ability to do both. You know, you can yeah. be detailed and, and also, you know, um, give yourself that freedom to make plays. So DJ gave you more of an opportunity to be offensive, for lack of a better term. Yeah, did absolutely. Bab, and it wasn't Bab, like, yeah, go ahead. It, it wasn't as if Bab, Bad Cop was, was not giving me that opportunity or anything. I think that I was kind of pigeonholing myself just on, um, you know, just being young, learning, um, you know, just, just not giving myself that freedom to make plays and that freedom to, um, you know, rely on my instincts offensively. Uh, so Babcock did not, in your, in your mind, Babcock did not hinder your development in any way, but he made it clear what he wanted you to, to do. And that was not necessarily to score goals. Yeah, of course. You know, he's the coach. I mean, and we had a, we scored plenty of goals uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you oh, know, yeah. as a team. So, um, I think for, you know, for that team and, you know, I, I, I agree for that team, it was a, um, the type of player that they needed to me to be was, uh, you know, was, was a checker and a penalty killer. And, um, you know, I tried to do that to the best of my abilities. You mentioned your size when you came to the Maple Leafs, uh, when you were, it was a concern. Are you bigger now? I mean, how, or and yeah, how no, much, I, how I, much bigger do you think you are? Well, I'm 180, six foot, 185 pounds. So I, you know, I, and, and when you, you came into the league at what, 165? Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe 170. I think my first year pro would have been wow. 165, 170. So, um, yeah, I was drafted at like 145. So I, so it's been a, yeah, it's been a <laughs> uh, uphill climb when it comes to that. But now I feel like, you know, just, a, you know, uh, 185, but strong. And so, you know, there's, um, I don't think that uh, my size is, is any more of an issue, but it was always something for me being, you know, um, late development, just kind of uh, playing catch up in that role. And for the record, I was born at 145, so it's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. the, <laughs> no, but, but that was always because uh, I remember your time in Erie and with all your skill and everything you did in Erie, that was always the thing that got brought up as everybody was waiting for you to, to, to get bigger. And were you concerned at some point it wasn't going to happen? 
No, I wasn't. I mean, I knew that I had the height and I had the work ethic to, to put on weight and to put on strength. And um, when I was young, you know, I just wouldn't really stay on just to, you know, I just wasn't there yet in my development. And, uh, you know, I always feel like I, you know, I've been a late development. I feel like I'm still developing as a player and still getting better. Um, you know, uh, that's how I feel. And um, so that's what I'm, I'm trying to do is, you know, every year just get a little bit bigger, a little faster, a little stronger. Uh, if, if you talk to anybody with Backstrom on long term, um, is there an opportunity for you to kind of step into that role in some way, shape, or form? What you mean, uh, long term with the team or with him? No, with he's, him. He, he's uh, with with Nick Backstrom's role there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I right now I I don't know. Uh, you know, it's it's so fresh. It's hard for me to, and I, I'm sure that they don't know either. Um, you know, long-term for this. And so for me, I'm not trying to look too far ahead. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of take a week by week and just kind of control what I can control and let the chips fall as they may. What, what, what do you, as a guy who's now been through a lot of training camps, what's your expectation of what you need to get out of the next three weeks? Um, as quick as possible, I need to learn the systems, uh, you know, so that becomes instinctual. So then I can just play, you know, um, obviously when you go to a new team and you are, you, you learn new systems, it, it takes a little bit of thinking and um, you know, but the less you can think the the better off you'll be once the game starts. And so I just need to be able to, uh, you know, get the systems down as, as early as possible. So it, it kind of becomes second nature and then I can just play. Do you get a, do you get a sense that Peter's Peter's system is different than what you played in Ottawa or Toronto? Um, a few things. I've been over a couple things, um, uh, a little bit different, you know, penalty kill and neutral zone, things like that, that are a bit different, but, um, you know, nothing, nothing too drastically changed. So, um, it should be an easy transition. Talk about, you know, you use the word system very casually, but the truth of the matter is that most fans, even, even people who, who know the game, think of it as being mostly instinctual. Um, it's, it's a, it's a game of action and reaction less than systemic progression. We, we understand there are plays in football. We understand that there are, um, there are plays in basketball. Most people don't think of them be, there being plays in hockey. How much, how much systemic stuff do you have to learn? Basically what it comes down to is, you know, the special teams are systems, you know, the power play is, you know, a lot of plays and through that, um, and the penalty kill is, you know, you have a, a, a structured way you want to kill a penalty so that everyone can read off one another. And um, same with the defensive zone. You know, you want to have structure in the defensive zone so that, you know, you, you are you aren't getting beat and you, you know, you can everyone can kind of knows their assignments. Um, so I'd say, you know, on the defensive side of the pocket, there is a, there is systems. But when it comes to offense, a lot of it is what you're talking about is is just relying on instincts and not thinking and, um, and, and just being reactive. Um, but when it comes to defensive side of things, it's important to, you know, have that structure. So yeah, there's not as many breakdowns. Uh, we have to take a quick break. Time is uh, our enemy here. We'll do that. And we'll come back with more with uh, Connor Brown after these messages. McCown Shannon, with you and uh, Connor Brown, now of the Washington Capitals, still sounds a little weird to say, is yeah. uh, is uh, with us. Um, how much change have you seen in the structure of the National Hockey League since you've been in this game? What is this your seventh year coming up? Is yeah, this seven. Is, this is year seven. Yep. Yeah. Have you seen much change, or is the game played about the same now as it has been since you got there? Um, you know, I think that it's a little quicker. I think every year it seems to get a little bit quicker, uh, you know, the pace and, um, you know, the, the way the, just the way everything is done is a little bit faster on the ice. And other than that, I wouldn't say anything is too different. Um, you know, I think that, you know, systems are, are very similar and things like that are, are very similar, but, um, I think the pace is, is definitely increased. You know, you, uh, I was thinking about this the other day. In, in Erie, you played with Connor McDavid. Uh, in Toronto, you played with Austin Matthews. 
You got had Brady Kachuk or Thomas Shabbat, two, two of the great young stars of the game in Ottawa. And now you're going to go and play with Alex Ovechkin. Um, is there a way to compare and, and what, how, how do you deal with superstars? You know, you know, that's not to say you're not a star, but how do you deal with those guys and their roles on your team? I think you just try to help them. I mean, uh, you know, as, uh, you know, being a, a player like myself, I think, um, as much as you can, you want to put those guys in good spots. You want to make sure they're feeling good. You want to make sure that, uh, you know, you're supporting them and they feel like they want to play with you. They can play with you and, um, you're not letting them down. Um, and so, you know, that's the way I've always approached is, you know, playing with Connor and junior and, um, you know, Austin and, and, you know, now, you know, obviously, uh, Chabby and Chucky and those guys, and, yeah. um, you know, but really, you know, you just try to, you try to support them and you try to help them and, and make sure that you're doing your job. Did you know Connor was that good when you played with him in Erie? Yeah. Did you get all the hype? Because you another Toronto boy, so you might have seen or heard of him a bit more before you got there, right? Yeah, you heard of him before he got there. But even as like a 14, 15 year old, as an underager, you could see it. It's uh, it was obvious the way he the way he took on players one on one and and you know eyed up players and uh, just you know face faced them square up and, and just kind of looked to expose guys. And uh, you know you just don't see many guys do that. A lot of you know. And he's just different. Yeah, he's very different. <laughs> and, and and where do you place Austin in all of that? I mean, he's right there. I mean, he's right there. Uh, he's, I mean, the way he shoots and uh, is unbelievable. But the way he stick handles and handles the puck in traffic and and can pick up passes in in his feet or with guys around him and make plays like that. And also how hard he competes. You know, he he wins puck battles like uh, just as good as anybody in the league. Um, in the corners or, you know, anywhere on the ice, he's just, um, yeah, he's a, he's a superstar. I mean, so, you know, I was lucky enough to play on those guys' lines at, at one point or another and um, learned a lot from, from both of them. I, I don't think we really understand how big Matthews is as a player and yeah. how, and how he, he doesn't use his body viciously, but he's pretty efficient with it, isn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he's a, he's a big boy, but he, you know, he's not absolutely massive or anything like that, but if anything, it's just his, um, it's his balance and his strength that he, he can just, the way he uses his body, uh, just is, is such an asset and, um, you know, the way he moves on the ice and the, his balance, uh, you know, and getting pushed and things like that. So yeah, he's, um, <laughs> he's, a Special player. Do, uh, not to, to uh, you know, really pay too much attention to your time with the Maple Leafs, but as a player playing for them, did you feel the pressure of not the, this team not winning a Stanley Cup since 1967? Um, no, I, I don't think that, that uh, you know, especially, you know, and I, that's a little bit harder for me to answer because, you know, my role on the team was a little bit different than um, – no, but you're a lo- I don't realize you're a local kid. You know, yeah. your your dad's got a, a lot of acumen in the game of hockey. Anywhere you went in town, they were it was hey Connor, great to see you with the Leafs. We love you, the local guys on the Leafs. And then oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I and I you understand that, obviously. Um you understand that. And in our time, obviously, that if anything, it made that those situations in Toronto and in Boston when we you know, weren't able to close close those game sevens out, um, sting more. And, you know, obviously looking back, it still stings. And, um, you know, you, you want to be able to rectify that. And obviously it's, you know, it's, um, it, it makes it just that, that much more, you know, it, the, it mounts every time, you, you know, you don't, uh, you don't execute in those moments. But it is fair to say that you had to feel something more with each of those, situations and at least part of it has to has to pertain to the history of the franchise of of the failures of the franchise over the years even though you had nothing to do with them no responsibility for them but you're sitting in the dressing room at the end of the second period in game in a game seven and you isn't that there isn't it somewhere in your mind you know i i to I'm sure it is, but you know, I, I remember sitting in those dressing rooms and in game seven and, and being a thinking there's, you know, everyone kind of thinking there was a general good vibe amongst the team. And we believed we were going to get it done in those moments. And, um, you know, and so obviously to, 
you know, to not execute and, and, and for things not to go that way, you know, it, it is, you know, it's tough, but, um, you know, obviously, and, and to say that it's not a mental block to get past those things, it, it would probably not be true either. Cause I, you know, um, so much of this game of hockey is mental, you know, like you said, it's so reactive and instinctual. So, you know, yeah. if you're, if, you know, so much of it is mental. And so, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's hard to really pinpoint that, but you know, it, it's important to just like be in the moment and, and be in the game and things happen so fast out there. You don't really have time to think about, you know, how long things have not been successful in the, in the city. Is this a topic of conversation within the team or is it a taboo subject? Uh, would like be like how long the, the franchise, I well, think any of that kind of, yeah. Anything, anything like that, that is remotely negative, you know, when it's done, it's done. I get it. But do you guys not want to talk about it? You know, I, to be fair, it's been, you know, four or five years since I've been there and since sure. I've been in those moments. So I can't really remember. Um, but you know, in my memory, I think that, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, it, it was kind of just here and now. It wasn't really about what has happened prior. Right. It was more about the here and now. Um, so, no, I, I can't imagine. I don't remember it being mentioned or, you know, adding, you know, adding to the pressure. I don't remember that. On the topic of here and now, then, Zidane Chara retired today. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what was it like to play against him? Uh, not very fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it wasn't very fun. I mean, uh, especially in those series against Boston and, um big, big guy and mean too. So, I mean, just that combination was uh, made it not very fun to play against him for, for a long time, but uh incredible career. The size, the size alone, correct, Connor? Yeah. The size and the, and the reach too. I mean, was uh, obviously the size is one thing, but just the, the reach, you can kind of spin away from him, but he's, he was always right there. And especially in my early years playing against him, it was uh, very difficult. <laughs> okay. Subban also retiring today. So, Two pretty good defensemen, huh? Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, no, that was uh, that was a bit surprising. I thought I uh, and, uh, but um, and another great career. Well, the, yeah. the, the a guy like uh, and again another Toronto kid that uh, a little ahead of your time, but uh, he, he's he's one of those guys that really did help to grow the game in so many ways. And was he? All, he was a chatterbox on the ice, wasn't he? Always yapping at you. Yeah, he, he was uh, on the ice. I don't know if you, I don't remember him talking too much when during the game. Um, but, uh, you know, he was, what he did for the game was, was uh, it was great. And, um, you know, he, the impact and the role that he's played as a player. And I'm sure, uh, you know, now that he's done playing, I mean, he may even have more of an impact uh, on the game. And so that's um, a good point. Yeah. No. Well, and I agree too. You said you mentioned you were surprised. And so was I. Um, you have to, you'd, you'd think that there would be a place for him still in the game, but he's coming off that, what, $9 million a year contract hmm. and a 33 year old player in the national hockey league who maybe doesn't want to take a huge step back. Doesn't want to be one of those guys who, you know, plays for the minimum someplace. Um, pretty surprising. You got to think he has, there's still some hockey in him. Don't you think? I, I'd, I'd imagine so. I mean, uh, you know, just playing against him last year, he didn't look like he was behind or anything like that. He looked like he could still play. So I'd imagine he, he still could play. And so he, you know, you know, but, uh, kudos to him going out on his own terms. Hey, on a completely different topic before we let you go. Um, and, and I'm not <laughs> referring to you at all, but this is the 50th anniversary of team Canada 72. Bob and I were alive. Bob and I remember every game completely. For your generation, what is that series? What did you watch as a kid that said, wow, that's, a, that's iconic international hockey. That's, and you've played at the World Championships. But what was that moment that you said, God, I would love to play for Canada? Was that 87? I think for me, uh, wanting to play for Canada was, as a young kid, was um, – well, I mean, I like, you know, obviously, you know, I hearing about uh, that 72 series a lot growing up and um, just from my from my dad specifically and kind of, uh, you know, watching segments on it. And, um, you know, I remember doing a school project on it and, and things like that. Uh, but for me, wanting to play for Team Canada was World Juniors, like just watching World Juniors as a kid um, every year around Christmas. So 
it was pretty, uh, you know, I, I was pretty heartbroken when I wasn't able to make that world juniors team in my last year in junior. Um, you know, I, I was, you know, I felt like, you know, I, I had a really good year. Uh, you know, I felt like I could have been on that team and I really, that's a team I really wanted to make. So made it that much sweeter when I was, uh, able to play for team Canada two summers ago at world championships and we were able to win and, um, put together a pretty good tournament. So, uh, you know, playing for your country and being a Canadian um, hockey, you know, it, it's uh, a huge sense of sense of pride for the for the country. And uh, to be able to represent that is like, you know, for me as a player is like the highest level. But there was there was nothing as a kid sitting in front of the television that you said, wow, I remember this. I remember that I think moment. maybe Everly's goal. I remember like, oh, uh, yeah, I think that, that one. And obviously, you know, Crosby's goal in, in uh, Vancouver was I'd say those two ones were were the two ones that stand out to me. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna suggest <laughs> Vancouver because you know twelve years ago you were what fifteen ish somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah, and um, that's just about the right age to be influenced, and uh, yeah. that was uh, that, that, that was just something. makes me feel old now. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, you are old. That's why you <laughs> feel old. Hey, uh, hey, one more question for me: Why isn't Chris Knobloch coaching in the NHL? I don't know. I think he deserves it. I mean, um, from my time with him in, in uh, junior, such a smart, methodical guy, um, asset to a team. You know, he really, the way he coaches and the way he sees the game, uh, he's really um, such a calm presence behind the, the bench. And he, he really helped me as a player, uh, you know, in so many different aspects. And I think he deserves a shot and I'm sure he'll get it. Well, he's we, we, he's he's in the Ranger chain. He's in the American League in Hartford, but and then and and at one point had to come up and coach for a few games uh, with the Rangers. But I, I, he's one of those guys that you're thinking, wow, this, who's the best coach outside of the NHL that doesn't have uh, an NA or could could be available? And I always wonder why Chris's name doesn't come up more. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're bringing it up because I think he deserves it. I mean, uh, he was incredible for us in in Erie. Um, you know, he, he's, uh, you know, he, he's, he's a great coach, very methodical, very uh, meticulous and understands his players very well. And, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed playing for him. I think, so I, I think he will. Yeah. And, and by the, again, I lied one more. How, how have you allowed you, you and your wife, Madison, you've been married, I guess, for just over a year now, right? Yep. Um, how, how is her adjustment to the new city? How do you, and how much does that consume you in that those first few weeks? For sure, a little bit in the first few weeks because you don't know how it's going to, you know, play out. And so that's, you know, a factor of coming down early. Um, but she's really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, we live in Virginia, like uh, the practice rinks in Arlington, um, just in the other side of the river. So, which is a great place to live. I mean, we're, we're really enjoying it. Um, lots to do. Um, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful city. DC is a beautiful city. And so is Arlington and um, this whole area. And so... She's really enjoyed it thus far. But she's Australian, right? No, no, she's from Quebec no? as well. Oh, she is. Okay, yeah. yeah so, so, so you've been uh, high school sweetheart. Is that the whole thing? No, a little later than that. It's somewhere around university. We were, um, we were dating, and uh, yeah, and so she was with me in my time in Toronto, and uh, also in in Ottawa. So she's been uh, she's been there every step of the way. <laughs> she's helpful. a sol- She's a good soldier. Yeah, she's been very very helpful. I'm lucky. Well, enjoy your time in um, in the D.C. area. It is beautiful. And uh, um, enjoy your time with the Caps, too. Uh, and we, we wish you good luck, uh, plenty of it. And uh, we thank you very much for taking some time for us today. We appreciate the conversation. Okay. Thanks and good luck. Yeah, thanks, guys. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Connor Brown, we'll come back and wrap it after these messages. Our thanks to Connor Brown for uh, joining us on the show. A few things that we touched on briefly there to address uh, the retirements of uh, Chara and Subban specifically mm-hmm. and a new contract for McKinnon. Um, Chara's retirement, not a surprise. In fact, you've kind of been looking at it the last couple of years as to when he would finally hang him up. Subban, on the other hand, is really quite shocking. Um, Why? Why is that? Well, he's still a good player, and he's 33 years old. Uh, it's it's not – how many players retire at 33? Not, not many. many. Not many anymore. Um, nope. 
I, I and and I haven't talked to PK about it, but what what I would say is that uh, as you alluded to, he, he he's got. It's not as if money's an issue. You know, coming off that giant contract he had, um, and, but you know his his role in in the game has changed, and he. He wasn't in the end, a, he wasn't even a top four defenseman in New Jersey, Bob. Um, and so I, I think that, and I, I think at times when teams were looking at him, and I don't think many, I think teams, if they looked at them, they didn't look at them very long. And again, another victim of what we've, what we've seen in this summer and, the, and last year is we have no money. And okay, PK, if, if you want to take a league minimum and you want to come on a tryout, We'll think about it, um, but you know that's that's the issue. Is that I, I think that he got squeezed out because of of timing of the end of his contract more than anything else. But he 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 wasn't the player that we saw in Montreal. He wasn't oh, the player not. we even saw in Nashville uh, when he finished last year in New Jersey. So from that perspective, you know when you and when you're as um, when you're as uh, outgoing as PK is, maybe, maybe it's in your best interest to start your next career. Maybe it's in your best interest to make that next step beyond hockey, because let's face it, your life in hockey is finite. And you're better off with your health. He's pretty healthy with your health to try to get to the next step. And we all know the next step is going to be in the media for sure. Well, I just think, you know, he was a skilled offensive player. He was an offensive defenseman um, and, and uh, in many ways a leader, although I'm not sure he was a leader in the room as much as he was a leader in the general sense, in the general public. Mm. But usually those offensive skills, the deterioration, if there is any, isn't until later. And, um, and I, I agree with you. He was not nearly the player at right. the end that he was 10 years ago. But I'm a little surprised at that. Yeah. I'm surprised that that happened to him. Yeah. I, I, th- I think probably the one thing I would tell you is I, I think that and PK may even admit to this at some point is that he, he probably surprised that the lack of interest in teams had him him this summer. Uh, you think he was surprised? I think he would be. Yeah. I think he was shocked. Yeah. 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 I, I think he would be that there wasn't more nibbles for his talents. Uh, particularly with guaranteed dollars. So uh, the other guy, though, I mean, when you look at Zdeno Chara and, and what he brought to the game and what he's done, when you consider as a – Bob, he came as a – I think he was as a 17-year-old. He was six foot nine at, at 17, and he was probably 185 or 190 pounds. He went to Prince George, British Columbia, to play in the Western Junior League. Uh, to be drafted by the Islanders and then make an impact in Ottawa and then certainly make the impact in Boston. Uh, so Dan O'Char is a Hall of Famer in my mind. He'll he'll he will be oh, a. Of course, first, he's a Hall. He first, is absolutely first, a Hall of Famer. First ballot Hall of Famer in your mind. Yeah, first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, so in three years, we'll be we'll be seeing that uh, uh, his name on the ballot and and uh, him being enshrined uh, at uh, Young and Front in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, there is additionally a new highest paid player in the National Hockey League. Uh, Nathan McKinnon is that guy. He gets mm-hmm. $12.6 million a year on average from, uh, from Colorado. Not until next year, though, right? Uh, yeah, the contract. Well, yeah, he's got right. another year left on his deal. But still, yeah, yeah. He's, he's at 12.6. Wow. And wow. McDavid is I guess he had a good season. <laughs> in a year where he could actually negotiate a contract because that truly is uh, that, that's a that, that that's truly amazing that he's been able to do it and and get over the hump win the cup get a new contract uh, and become the leader I think we all expected him to be uh, when he came out of junior hockey is he that good oh yes no question he he's a locomotive he is a locomotive. He's big. He's burly. He has great hands. Uh, he is demanding of his teammates. Is he better than Connor? No. No. Is he better than Matthews? It's a good question. Uh, that, that's a good question. Um, I, I'd, 
Well, he has this. the he has he has he has the one thing that Connor and Austin don't have, Bob. Oh, well, a cup. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, but it I, took him quite a while to get it, and sure a it lot did. of failures. Oh, and I, I think there, and I think the ups and downs, and I think he grew up. But and don't don't underestimate the influence of Sidney Crosby with Nathan McKinnon. Um, he learned a lot from Crosby, and I think that at a certain point, it was a driving message that I have to win a cup like Sid did. They are friends. They live not far from each other in Nova Scotia in the offseason. Uh, I think that that was part of it. But, but the last two years, McKinnon has been possessed when it comes to playing the game. Um, and and he's, he's on that platform, that plateau with Matthews, with McDavid and himself um, that, uh, you know, he's – He's a little bit different. He's a he's a bit of a hybrid. He's a little more physical than both of them. Well, is there another player that you'd put in that group? So that I mean, I, I'm thinking there's the top three in the National Hockey League, or is there a, is there a fourth or a fifth that you'd put in that category? And I ask because I mean, the guy's getting paid twelve point six. That's the highest salary in the National Hockey League today. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, I, I haven't done any research and I, I know people, as soon as we say we don't have any other names, people are going to say we're nuts and there's, there's other names that are on that, on that same level. But right now, I don't think so. I, I, I mean, I mean, he, his own teammate, his own teammate might be the most influential defenseman in the league right now in Kale McCarr. But certainly when it comes to forwards, you, I think McK- McKinnon, McDavid and, and Matthews, the three M's, are the, the three drivers of this game. And there's lots of great players. There, you know, Artemi Panarin's really good in, in, in New York. Um, you know, there are lots of great players. But those three, Matthews, McKinnon, McDavid, to me, are the elite. And when, but when still, when you give McKinnon 12.6, I mean, how far away are we from a $15 million a year contract or greater, even higher? No. When does Austin's co- contract expire? Couple of years, exactly, oh. and 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 will and then he'll take take over the mantle as the highest played player, and then by then it'll be within two years of of McDavid's contract expiring, and then we're going to do the same thing with him, you know. And what's going to happen after the twenty four season, Bob, is there's going to be a lot more salary cap space available as the as the NHL gets into the ninety million, ninety two million dollar salary cap as opposed to eighty two five, which they are at now. Yeah, well, you just wonder whether this this deal for McKinnon is going to look like it might be cheap uh, by comparison in uh, in two years. Oh, it might. It, it, it might. It might. But and and let's face it, this is the reason Nazem Kadri couldn't stay in Colorado is because of this contract. Sure. You know they did. They couldn't have both of them. The reason. Darcy Kemper, the winning Stanley Cup goaltender in Colorado, couldn't get a big deal long-term in, in Denver and now is in Washington with Connor Brown is because of this contract. They had, to, they had to shed players, quality guys, guys that have their names on the Stanley Cup as avalanche players now in order to get, get this deal done with, uh, with uh, Nathan and his agent, Pat Brisson. It's so interesting. I'm just looking quickly at the at the 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 details of the contract, signing bonus, base salary, signing bonus, base salary. Yeah. It's uh, it's very interesting how these deals are constructed, isn't it? Well, and I haven't seen the numbers, but I assume the signing bonus would be like ten million a year, and the and the salaries too. Something you know, I mean, something to that effect. Well, I'll give I'll give you. The, I'll, here's the start: twenty three, okay. twenty four, signing bonus fifteen point seven. <laughs> base salary 775 so almost the minimum right it is the minimum yeah um almost all the way through wow maybe wow. you should take a minute and explain why that's the case uh, wh- what do you mean why they do the signing bonus thing why why is it signing bonus as opposed to salary well it doesn't it, it really what happens is you get you get a lump sum on july the first that's exactly what you do and then you have you still have to maintain some level of salary and what happened was this was invented by the guys at Newport Sports uh, as uh, lockout protection. Uh, so when the players were locked out on September 15th, the players were getting their signing bonuses already. Yeah. 
And so and what it also does do is, is if you, it, it really neutralizes if you have the ability not to, to control your, uh, uh, your, where you get traded to is that some people really take shine away from pay, paying and signing these giant signing bonuses to players. But really, in the, the initial concept was, hey, we'll give you a signing bonus. We'll pay you on July 1st. And if we get locked out on September 15th, which hap- used to happen a little too frequently, then it's basically lockout proof. And you lose, you lose your base salary, but that base salary is like one tenth of your, of your deal, really. Yeah. yeah to, exactly. put it, to put it in context, um, it, this is a hundred million dollar contract wow. for Nathan McKinnon. So, wow. However, 85 million is paid in signing bonuses. So 80, 85 million is paid in eight checks. <laughs> Well, basically, he's going to get eight point nine one million, oh. um, give or take, a year, and under a million in actual salary. Wow! Starts at wow. seven seventy five and finishes at nine ninety. All I know is that every July first in Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia, there's going to be a damn good party now. <laughs> Why? Well, that's where he lives, right? <laughs> oh. So and when, when, you're, when you're walking down the street next July 1st of 2023 and, and Nate's going to the ATM to deposit the $15 million check. <laughs> what does Crosby make? Uh, well, he's on a deal. Uh, he, he makes $8.7 million a year. Yeah. And, and the same agent, Pat Brisson, did that one too. So You don't, you don't think that, uh, that that disturbs him at all? No, he's done very well for a 13-year contract. No, I get it, but still. Sign him to a new one soon. Uh, well, they might. Do you think? Yeah. Or maybe he, uh, he packs it in too. Yeah. Uh, we must off. We thank you for watching or listening as the case may be. We'll uh, see you tomorrow. Come on, everybody. 